0: And welcome back to the program. Gesundheit with Jacobus. Uh, Glenda Noyce with me. Good morning, Glenda. Oh. oh, I didn't turn your microphone on. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Glenda is the executive director of the Gallatin Valley CASA, GAL program. And I have to keep saying this because it is such an important organization. This is; These are the people who actually say, we're here for the children. It's not a politically correct kind of organization. They gather information for the judges so that the best judgment can be made in the advantage of the child. Now, the Gallatin County CASA-GAL program, and CASA for those who tune in late, stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. These are people who are volunteers for the children. And the gal is guardian at Lydum. And as uh, Glenda Noyes mentioned earlier, these terms today in this area are used anyway. Some people call them the gal, the guardians at Lydum and others say the CASA group. Now there is also for all of you in Park County, we have, uh, there is a Park County CASA group as well. And that is run by Anne Schilling. And the telephone number in Park County is 222-4904, 222-4904. So for those of you who are dealing, who are listening to the radio, who are aware of uh, a situation where children have been neglected or abused, call Ann or anybody in the office at 222-4904. The number over here in Gallatin County At the Law and Justice Center, where Glenda Noyce is the Executive Director, is 582-2051-2051. Glenda, absolutely pleasure to have you here because uh, this is a very, very important uh, program. And um, I did a show a couple months ago. I told you that. It was early uh, February, and I had an interview with April Hall, the grandmother from uh, a young girl, October Perez, and she was beaten to death by the boyfriend of the mother, after the mother had been. Uh, so April was is the grandmother because her son is the father, and these two n- had known each other. The uh, the the mother and the the, the her son. And they got married and he went in the army and she got pregnant and she had a child. And I think he has done two or three tours in Afghanistan. So he is, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, you're going to get into. But uh, she apparently wanted a divorce and uh, started living with another uh, young man who ended up killing after they moved into the house three months or so, four months after they moved into the house into the household with the boyfriend, uh, the girl was killed. And in the house, when they sent, when the grandmother said, when I see my granddaughter, uh, her arm hurts. She broke her arm, she broke her back. Uh, She broke ribs. She had lost three teeth in that short period of time. The grandmother had asked the mother if she could pick up October Perez every two weeks, I think every other weekend. And every time she came, she had bruises and scrapes and a black eye and missing teeth. And she was only two years old and found out that she said, child protective services. She said, you have to go over there and check the situation out because it's a mess over there. I've been in that house and it is just a mess. And They went in and that was 800 square feet, maybe even less than maybe 700, whatever, small apartment where the boyfriend lived with the mother and October, his brother and his wife and two big dogs. And it was just chaos in that house. Nothing was kept clean and they found drug paraphernalia on the kitchen counter and still... Child Protective Services said, uh, we don't see any reason to worry. Everything is fine. Uh, It's all under control. And so uh, not even three weeks later, she was dead. And, um, you know, you think, you think, I mean, death happens. Death happens. But it shouldn't happen to children at the hand of an adult, which is repetitive also. Uh, it is our responsibility when we become parents to take care of children, to be responsible, to be not only the guardians, but also the example. And if I see that in this country alone, we're talking about 700,000, I mean, we're living here with 330 million people. That's a lot of children. That's almost a million children. And that is every year, 700,000 children are being abused and neglected. 251,000 are actually making it into court and uh, hopefully get, but the 251,000 are those the ones that actually make it to court Glenda or, or those are those the ones that actually have CASA gal representation?
1: Yes. Those are the ones that actually have CASA representation. There's many, many more that don't have like Maricopa County, Arizona. Um, I, have spoken to someone out of that county quite a bit and they they have twelve thousand kids in foster care in Ugh. their county alone and only nine hundred of them have a CASA serving them. So there's wow. you know, that two hundred and fifty thousand number is just those being served by CASA and there's, you know, thousands and thousands more that aren't.
0: So maybe that's a good time to talk about the volunteer program. Sure um tell us more about it where where does one start people are listening right now tell us first of all who can qualify to be a volunteer for casa
1: well just about anyone can qualify we do do a rigorous background check on everyone um I'll, you know they're to make sure that they're not harmful you know we don't want to add add to the harm sure. for children sure and so everyone that comes into the program does go through a background check, and through the national um, sex abuse uh, sex abuse offender registry and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, as long as you are an upstanding citizen, you could qualify. Right. We do have, like I mentioned before the break, a rigorous training that everyone goes through. Um, in in historically here in Galton County the training was 20 hours yeah. along with one on one mentoring of that volunteer through their first case. Um, in speaking with National CASA recently, they told me that's not really in compliance with their standards All and right. that we need to be doing a 30 hour training. All right. And so we'll be moving to to change that so it'll be 30 hours.
0: And you are part of the you you are that's one of your responsibilities, right? Yes. Set up the teaching. Yes. And so, so give us a, a a slight rundown about some of the things that are being discussed during the training.
1: Okay. We just—I just finished my first training in February, where I was the the sole trainer. So okay. that was, you know, my my maiden voyage into that. <laughs> it was—I was real nervous, but yeah. I actually think it went really well, and I Good. came out with twelve new volunteers trained wow. that I think are doing an awesome job. On those that have cases, are doing a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, the training covers just everything, you know, what the program is itself, and things from confidentiality expectations and court processes every guardian is required to write a court report for each court hearing and so we cover how to write that court report and what goes into it Um, we talk a lot about about communication and dealing with with families how how to talk to parents and how to, how communi- to get the information how, right how to mm-hmm. how to communicate with children effectively and things like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Also, how to put our biases aside. We all come into this role with a perspective and and a bias that's just natural that we may not even be aware of. Right. And. It's really important to put as much of that aside as possible when visiting with with the parents especially because if you come in and make a quick judgment about someone based on you know what their house looks like that's not necessarily fair. You know that 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 parent has no, right. has their own history, they yeah. have their own experiences that probably led them to where they are today. Yeah. And so we have to keep that in mind too. Mm-hmm. There is a <clears throat> excuse me. There is something in statute that CPS is required to, um, to follow, which is called the minimum sufficient standard of care. And so my idea of a clean house and your idea of a clean house may be two different things. And so there's a minimum standard of care that they can expect from a family. Okay. And so that often is frustrating for the guardians. You you want these children to be in the best home possible, you know, the best environment, the mm-hmm. have the best opportunities in life. But unfortunately that's not always going to happen. Right. Because, you know, there's there's economical Things to that come into play and education and all those kinds of things, so mm-hmm. we can only expect the minimum standard of care, okay, even when we would rather it be more than that, so, and I
0: also realize that you can live in a mansion, but there could still be abuse, yeah, so you walk in and you're impressed by the wealth and the beauty, but behind the scenes, there could be some extreme things happening that never make see daylight
1: exactly yeah in in you know just. Recent history, I, I I do join my volunteers on their first case, and I walk through that with them um, step by step through the first parts of of every case. Yeah, as a mentor and and supervising them till they they feel like they're up and ready to run by themselves. And you know, I went with one guardian to visit a family that was just one of the most extreme poverty cases that I'd ever seen. Mm and
0: how many children
1: um i probably can't say that okay um All right. you Good know point. Se- yeah, several children um yeah. but you know being poor is not abuse or neglect so that that in alone is sure. you know Absolutely that does, true. that doesn't mean yeah. that those children are being abused yeah. or neglected because the parents are not yeah. um wealthy so you know, I, we we were dealing with this family that isn't in, in an extreme poverty situation. Yeah. And then the next week, I went with another fe- another guardian to a family that you know it was the it was nicest well nicest home I'd ever been in. Wow. So you're right. Yeah, there there are no yeah. boundaries. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Addiction and mental illness. They they don't have boundaries. So.
0: Right, and I understand that looking at volunteers, it can, like you said, it can be people from all walks of life. It can be uh, mothers, uh, housewives. <laughs> Uh, homemakers, I think you call them today. It could be uh, uh, executives. It could be uh, you know all kinds of people. Whoever it is, in the uh, in in our society, in our community, um, you cannot tell from looking at somebody down the street that person may actually be a guardian. Right. Yes. Yep.
1: You know we have we do have people from every walk of life. We have people that were former social workers. We have retired people. We have. Um, Young people. I, I was very pleasantly surprised at the number of young people right? in my last training. What I,
0: age are we talking about here? O- over 20? Yeah. Are they all adults or young people? They're
1: all adults. Um, okay. I went back in preparation for this and, and did kind of a perusal of my 69 trained advocates. And we have them from 24 to 77 years old. Cool. Um, I have 35 of them are over 50 years old. Okay. Ten are under thirty. All right. And the rest range between thirty and fifty. So I thought that was a good spread of people. A lot of people are retired. It it is a big time commitment, especially in the beginning of a case. Right. You're, You're meeting with all these people: parents, and foster parents, and grandparents, and neighbors, and therapists, and. Teachers and Child Protective Services and sometimes law enforcement, you know, a huge variety of people that you're, you're needing to talk to to build the big picture of what has gone on.
0: I can imagine that it is very easy to get involved in a conversation with, let's say, a teacher or a neighbor or a grandparent and be totally, I mean, when these people see that as somebody who actually listens to the story, uh, you could spend a lot of time with them, right. listening, just listening and maybe taking some notes is that one of the things that you're going to be trained at that you really try to ask the pertinent questions? Because, uh, time, the time commitment, uh, one of the things I saw was that it probably, and I was going to ask you time commitment, it says an average of about 10 hours a month. And I go, like, uh, well, I know I couldn't, <laughs> I could do that <laughs> 10 hours a month per case. Right. right. And many volunteers only get about one case a month.
1: Most of them only have one case at a time. Yeah. So, sometimes but they have 10 hours? two.
0: Is that fair that, to
1: say? That is the average. Really? At the beginning of a case, though, it's a lot more. That, yes. that first month on a case where you're doing the big bulk of the investigation and, and building the backstory that led this family to this situation mm-hmm. is, is quite time consuming. Okay. And as well as that's when you have the first couple court hearings fall within that first month. And then um, we have a pre-hearing conference. You've got at least three or four hours of court alone in that first month that takes up time. So mm. we do have a lot of retired people or people with jobs that are flexible enough if they work from home yeah. or or they have a job that is willing to let them flex their time to yeah. to come and go as needed. But you know, I I like I said, I was really pleasantly surprised to see as many young younger people as we did in this last training because mm-hmm. I think having that um, wide range of people available to serve these kids is great. And I also had two men in the training, which we really do need men. You okay, know, like like my my foster child. I said he's a sixteen year old boy, and and him having a male guardian ad litem is huge because that's a, that's a time when you know, young men really could could benefit from having a male role model yes. and, and someone that they might feel more comfortable talking to. Yeah.
0: Folks, uh, Glenda Noyes is my guest. She is the executive director of the Gallatin Valley CASA GAL program. She is located at the Law and Justice Center mm-hmm. on uh, South 16th, third floor, room 313. And the telephone number over there is 582- 582-2051. If you are aware of a case of child neglect or child abuse, do not hesitate to call the CASA office and Glenda and her staff will be very happy to show you the steps to take uh, what you need to do next. Uh, if you are a person who would love to learn more about this to become a volunteer to help the abused and neglected children, please give Glenda a call at 582-2051. The volunteers, Glenda, are – and thanks for being here, really. Thank I, you for I, having I, me. Uh, well, this is so important.
1: It's very and important.
0: We have to do this again. Yeah. yeah. I'm already, I'd be happy to. I'm you. already telling you now. <laughs> <laughs> We're not done yet, and I, I have so much information because I want to talk about that Aces program as well. That people need to understand the um, the volunteers again. We we we. There is a bunch of questions. There is a questionnaire that they need to fill out, and there is. Uh, I was looking at the national website and simply at the information. See, I'm looking all over the place here for stuff. Um, volunteer recruitment and training. Um, It says, volunteer as a guardian ad litem is rewarding because you have the opportunity to truly make a difference in the life of a child. Children who are appointed a guardian ad litem spend less time in the foster care system. Children also have a better chance of finding a permanent home when a guardian ad litem is appointed. Volunteers are recruited through speaking engagements, advertisements, or word of mouth. Job descriptions are available to interested volunteers. A screening process begins with an application and references, an interview, and a criminal background check. A minimum of 30 hours of training is required. An existing guardian at litem is paired with a new guardian at litem on their first case. The program volunteers meet regularly to support each other. There is ongoing training in child development Juvenile Justice, and Child Abuse and Neglect. And I I highly recommend you go to the website, the Gallatin County, casagal.org, CASA, C-A-S-A, Court Appointed Special Advocate, and G-A-L, Guardian at Litem, dot org, org and browse through the pages and read about the volunteer program because I have over here in the back I have the uh, the questionnaire and of course you start to fill out your form <laughs> where you've been and then you come to page three and <laughs> you say uh, the Casa Gal program will reject any applicant found to have been convicted of or having charges pending for a felony or misdemeanor involving a sex offense child abuse or neglect or related acts that would pose risk to children or the program's credibility. And then you have to do your consent to a routine check of your criminal records. And do you consent to a routine check of your criminal records in other areas if you have not lived in the state of Montana for the past five years? And of course, that makes sense. But it's funny that it's page three. That should be the first question. <laughs> I'll take
1: th- I'll take that under advisement.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Your Honor. Uh, no, that's that's true. But... I was reading also on the national website some of the questions that are uh, the volunteer duties. Um, I, I can give you the pages if you want to use them, but these are some of the, the volunteer duties. And uh, maybe we can jump on that as soon as we have answered this uh, uh, the question from a caller who was on the phone with us. That's okay, Glenda? Sure. Good morning, caller. Thanks for joining the program. <coughs> what is your your name, please? How can we help you? Joel. Hi, Joel. And, and This CASA program that you're talking about, CASA is
1: housed in Italian. How do you spell your CASA there? What is this organization? What?
0: How do you spell it? C A S A, just like the Italian.
1: Okay, just like the Italian. Well, okay, that's. but I just wanted to double check. Now, is this a national organization in any way or is it just local, Gallatin Valley? It, it is national. There, um, it started out of. Seattle, Washington, and has over 900 programs across the U.S.
0: Okay, good. I'll call you at your office. I'll talk to you Monday. Thank you. That'd be great, Joel. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Yes, this nationwide organization has grown to 949 programs in 49 states and the District of Columbia, except North Dakota, with more than 76,000 volunteers serving over 251,000 abused and neglected children every year so this is really quite something and i i do hope that you stay with us for the last hour because there is a lot more coming where this came from with glenda noise the executive director of casa stay tuned we will be right back
1: are you ready to improve your life it all
0: starts here on gesundheit with ECObus. health talk radio, radio.